1: and get 10% off your plan. How do you build empathy is
2: understanding, showing and providing forums and platforms to share that cross-functional thing. It can be a little tricky as you know, because each of those silos language keeps changing, creating those pods of people and creating those pods of projects to create that human relationship is the ultimate way to drive empathy. But beyond that, it's anchoring and being respectful and listening to that actual salesperson or brand marketer or digital accelerators
3: needs so we can quickly advance together. Welcome to today's episode of Brave Commerce. I'm Rachel Tippograph, the founder and CEO of Micmac. I'm Sarah Hofstetter, president of Profitero. And this is a show that talks about what's relevant in e-commerce for the world's biggest brands. When you're working across all of your customers, are there similarities
4: in their cultures? Sometimes you think that there are similarities because people in the food space do X or people in the Y space do Z. It's very surprising to see where cultures kind of seem pretty similar, especially if you come from a certain background because they're just going to keep hiring the same people over and over again. And then you find companies where their daily battle rhythm reflects the way that they make the products themselves. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 100%. And so look at certain companies like luxury. People who work at luxury companies, they ooze luxury. The people there, the culture there, the whole thing. Think about when we were talking to Jim Malika at Bose. He was talking about how to infuse marketing into an engineering culture. So it's kind of interesting to see how each one pulls from what they make and how they make it into
3: how they then bring it to market. Yeah. And going back to many themes from other episodes, it really all starts with the founder and the company origin story. You think about a company like 3M. First of all, I want everyone to do this. Pay attention to when you see 3M because you will start seeing it everywhere. It is crazy the impact of that brand and how much of
4: the initial patents that they started with were found ultimately by
3: accident. Yeah, it's so wild. So we've had the pleasure, you're about to hear from Joy, but when she talks about 3M, one of the most interesting things is she immediately acknowledges that 3M is a maker culture. Like the majority of employees are engineers. And as a result, that changes the entire mindset of the e-comm and the marketing team because the DNA of the company is test, learn, and iterate.
4: makes it a lot easier in an environment like that to actually do that with things that move at the speed of commerce. So if you're coming into an organization like 3M, the ability to have that maker culture and momentum to iterate it's harder to find in other companies and it's also incredibly inspiring because they really do move
3: exceptionally quickly when it comes to
4: innovation and are able to get the rest of the company to kind of see where they're going and then go.
3: Well, let's bring Joy Simonson, the head of global consumer e at 3M onto the show joy. It is a joy to have you. I know that's like
4: kind of cheese ball, but I'm going to go with it.
2: (laughs) Thank you so much, Sarah and Rachel.
4: We're thrilled to have you. You have a phenomenal career journey, and I think it's important for us to contextualize it as we land at 3M. And then we talk a little bit more about what it means to be in a company like that. And what does that mean for commerce? So before joining 3M, you spent your career in a variety of roles in industries focused on consumer brand building, driving incremental sales and profit. Sometimes people forget about the criticality of profits, but quite an array of manufacturer roles, sales, Catman, brand launches, shopper marketing, e-com strategy and insights. And while some people think about 3M as scotch tape and post-it notes, there is a huge B2B and industrial business that's mentioned in 95s. So tell us, why did you make the switch
2: from where you were to where you are? Sarah, that's an excellent question. And yes, I love our compelling product portfolio. Why 3M? Why did I make the switch? There's really three reasons. As a Minnesotan, there's four truths. The Minnesota State Fair, whoop, whoop, if you haven't gone, please go. 10,000 lakes is actually more, Sarah, Rachel. We're winter warriors. Yes, our kindergartners can be at the bus stop at minus 50 and still survive. And 3M. 3M is a big part of our Minnesota culture. The second is, why take this role? It really aligned to my quest of simple design to drive ease and value. Let me take you back four decades. Yes, I started work when I was two years old. Whoa. (laughs) Four decades, Sarah, 40 years. All
4: right, well, I thought we were starting in pharma, but you just go.
2: Yes, my first full-time job was for a three-person company. They'd call it a startup now. It was my boss, myself, and my sister leading cutting-edge sales premium programs, Imagine a compelling catalog that inspires you to sell amazing products, and then tracking success, to include ordering premiums and redesigning shipments. These are the early days of digitization. Messy warehouses, stickers, random art catalogs with tapes and pictures. I was given the ancestor of the Mac Pro. Macs didn't even exist. Laptops didn't even exist. I was told, let's do this. Let's go from stickers to digitization to compelling art. Six years later, we reinvented how we created the art catalogs. We reinvented how we track sales. We reinvented how we drove profits. Doesn't that sound familiar? Three core strengths. What's the grand reveal here, Joy? The grand reveal, Sarah, is that it's no different today. Why I work for 3M, it's tech, it's art, it's profitability, an amazing team. You know, and I answered that phone and Rami Kent, an amazing global leader in digital transformation, and Brad Graves, the most savvy salesperson ever I was in.
3: So you've been there now for two years, and obviously the world has significantly changed in those past two years. What's the experience been like?
2: Two years. It's crazy. It feels like yesterday. What's the same as all of our quest to provide value and ease to each and every consumer and customer? What's the same All of us are constantly pulling various levers to make sure we can accomplish the quest. What's different? Me. Again, I came from 40 years of industry knowledge, considered myself a maven. I started 3M and my knowledge is quadrupled Hmm. from B2B. 3M has 51 technologies. They create digital products. The really cool thing is, did you know that within 10 feet of you, there's most probably a 3M product? Could be on your iPhone, could be on your road could be in your amazing product with your command hook. That knowledge has trained me significantly to think differently and be more effective.
3: Yeah, oh, I got 3M right now all over my conference room. You're right.
4: I just opened my drawer and found a few of my own. So
2: (laughs) we're not on video, but... Yeah, most recently I bought a scale and I put it together and it had a 3M sticker underneath. Again, our industrial product lines bring many consumer products to life, many consumer solutions. And it's more than what you see in the store.
1: Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality.
3: Sarah and I actually don't spend a lot of time talking about B2B e-commerce. And given that that was probably a shift for you for Mondelez, what are some of the big ah ahas that you have within the B2B e-com business?
2: My big aha is that leveraging B2B, which is a huge strength of 3M, Provides incremental profits to B2C, but it also accelerates the learnings. So a lot of our retailer partners do B2B, right? 3M is a strength in B2B, but that connection and route to market really enhances every single touch point of the route to market.
4: Super interesting. Excited to dive into that more. But before we do, let's talk about, like you said, your role has kind of expanded. You've got this unique blend of operations, COE, center of excellence for. I shouldn't talk in jargon. Connecting what retailers need with what consumers and businesses are looking for. So let's talk about that connectivity. Our listeners know that e-com data can be the catalyst for insights that drives more than just e optimization, but having ownership of the operations means you can take that conversation further than just insights to recommended action. Tell us more about that.
2: Yes. You know, Sarah, you know my passion for data and I love it. When the right sequence of data and people are solving to the relevant consumer problems, it's really magic. And like everyone on this call is aware, the amount of data has exploded and will continue since my early days of that grandma computer I mentioned before. But the tenants of data, whether it's in COE or operations, are the same over the last probably hundred years. I know that sounds shocking to many, but when you marry the lowest level of data tables for the problem you are solving to whatever quant you need, that's where that magic happens. So let's take an example. You know, you started with my team, whether it's my team or another team. So let's look at an example of how we can bring that to life in e-com or in digital com or in digitized com. You have a fun short video, right? Everyone's on TikTok. Everyone's on retailer com. There's Facebook, et cetera, has amazing short videos you tie the lowest level of that video, you meta tag it to what consumer's important, you tie that together to your route to market platforms, whether it's retailer, social, Facebook, who knows, a gas station filling pump. And you tie that to the items. When you have that compelling content and you can tie it to data tables that matter, the efficiency will rapidly increase and again, when you have a team and you work for companies that only can come up with these ideas to be at the pulse of the consumer, you can operationalize it and test it immediately. Now, obviously it's all of our people that are making the difference, but the really great news at 3M, we are a maker culture, and we are constantly obsessed over tests, iterating, et cetera, and the unique value in our team, which we're forever relooking at team structures, is we have an engineering foundation where we can quickly automate these what-if scenarios to provide delight to each and every consumer.
3: This is music to Sarah in my ears. (laughs) You backing that optimized content can actually drive conversion and efficiencies. Yeah. One of the things that Sarah and I often are exploring on the show is is where e com sits within the organization. It sounds like at 3M, it sits within the sales organization?
2: It's everywhere. I mean, we have an integrated model. E-commerce... And what's your definition of e-commerce, right? Is it B two B? Is it digitizing an order? Is it a buy now? Is it a where to buy? It really, you know, as you know, is based on your where you're at and your sustainable integration strategy. And it there isn't really one location because remember, 3M launched their first website in 1995. Hmm. Like this isn't like a new journey for 3M. And anyone that knows me will say like. E-com belongs everywhere because it's just a different route to a consumer, a different route to a purchase.
3: Love that. Then I think I probably know the answer to my own question, but just on the, in the spirit of content, one of the things that we found is that when e-commerce is not sitting within the marketing organization, marketers are so protective of the brand and, and not understanding that the brand needs to come to life differently within an e channel than like a 30-second TV spot just curious how you've approached educating people on the types of content that actually drives conversion.
2: Yeah. And on education in general, you're specifically speaking to content, but you're also referencing a few teams. I found education in general around the applicability. I love that word um, because as you all know, e-com is a conversion of 20 different silos in a retailer, 20 different silos in the retailer's media space. I can go on and on. Supply chain, awareness media. And because there isn't a common definition. So if you talk about compelling content to a marketer on e-com, it's A plus content, right? If you talk to compelling content to retail or it's user generated, right? Via their data mm-hmm. or compelling content in a mobile app. If you talk to compelling content on a social media platform, it's distinct sound bites that drive views, right? So how are we approaching that through education? How does any industry need to approach it via education? We really need to make sure the language aligns to the context of the team. I'll give you a, another fun example, shoppable commerce. If your sales team is bringing a shoppable commerce platform into a retailer, the retailer's gonna laugh, right? Like what the heck? <laughs> of course, why wouldn't commerce be shoppable? Quick commerce, can you imagine? a sales lead bringing a quick commerce to their vending machine company, which is the quickest possible. So again, how are we approaching? How does anyone need to approach elevating whether it's content education, assortment education, media education is ensuring that language. I know it seems so incredibly basic. Ensure that language aligns to the audience because of this convergence, that language confuses so many people because every team calls something differently. And the only way to make sure you have incremental upside is to create that common language and to align to what that team talks about.
3: I think that's amazing advice that's applicable to anyone's job. How do you build empathy to understand the language of these different departments and silos?
2: You know, it's like the old sales versus marketing versus supply chain versus, right? It's been a decade long debate. How do you build empathy is understanding, showing, and providing forums and platforms to share that cross-functional think? It can be a little tricky, as you know, because each of those silos language keeps changing. Creating those pods of people and creating those pods of projects to create that human relationship is the ultimate way to drive empathy. But beyond that, it's anchoring and being respectful and listening to that actual salesperson or brand marketer or digital accelerators needs so we can quickly advance together. Love that.
4: It's one of those things that if we can get everybody speaking the same language and not having this tower of Babel where we're using e terms, like even
2: the term shoppable media, It rolls off the tongue for the three of us. I crack up every time I hear it. Every time I hear it, I'm like shoppable commerce. Literally the definition of commerce is buying and selling.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, 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 as a person who has a patent on shoppable media, I take offense.
2: (laughs) Shoppable media is different, (laughs) right? Because that actually, the word media actually ties to shoppable because a lot of media isn't. Shoppable commerce, which you see quite frequently in the social space, I don't know. I laugh every time. I get it.
3: I get it.
2: (laughs) Well, Rachel, I think it's time.
3: I know. I was loving learning from joy. So much knowledge. Joy, our famous last question. What's the bravest thing that you've ever done? Wait, 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 (laughs) wait.
4: If it is a story about being brave at the age of two, starting your own business, (laughs) I will not accept it because you're just too young to even know
2: what's brave and what's not. So I hope you've got another one here. Well, besides motherhood, which for any mother or father out there, being a parent is probably the bravest thing anyone can ever do. Really, it's ensuring I can contribute and receive a culture of belonging and nurturing growth. I mean, Sarah, you brought up empathy. All of us know that being a digital accelerator, it's a thrill. like It's that roller coaster of like, oh my God, this is the coolest thing ever. We're unlocking new ways to reach the consumer, right? It's also a pain because in that, being at that tip of the spear, right? Being that avant-garde, there's constant failures. And that's really hard for digital accelerators, right? So my bravest moment is every day, making sure not only I contribute to that culture, but I provide that culture to my very brave team that have decades of experience and work so beautifully together to bring those consumer propositions to life. Unless you've lived it, which all of us have, it's such a great, feature of a company and value to a company where you can provide that sense of belonging so you can take that risk, appreciate the failure and just keep going. So really that's every day. That's my bravery every day and my team's bravery every day.
4: Love it. Absolutely love it. And as a fellow mom, I don't know if it's brave, but once you're in, you can't get out.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's brave. It's brave, Sarah. I'm now learning the beat saber where I have to learn how to do it with my 20 year olds. And I'm like, that's brave. <laughs>
4: Oh, yes. There's nothing more sobering than working with at this point. There's all the new stuff when they're little, but I've got a 23 and a 21 year old, and uh, navigating the job market was a very different kind of challenge than making sure they don't stick their fingers in the socket. But yes, again, conversation and for another day. But Joy, thank you so much for joining us today, for sharing, and frankly, for bringing a lot of diversity of thought into this conversation and to our audiences. You, I believe, are our first person that represents both B2C and B2B. And I'm just so thankful for just bringing new thinking and somebody who can really relate to the combination of the challenges and the opportunities, regardless of who the end buyer is. So thank you.
2: Huge. Thank you, Sarah, Rachel, for this opportunity and everyone listening to Brave Commerce. Yeah, this is interesting.
4: This is the Second maker culture episode we've had in a few weeks, having Jim Malika from Bose before, a very heavy engineering culture with a tremendous bias to getting things done and trying to figure out what are the unique nuances that you can take from the culture of making and bring to the culture of optimization. And innovation can be found anywhere, a testament to people like Joy and Jim exude that desire and ability to influence change for the better and bring things like connected commerce and marketing more holistically to the organization. So if you like what you heard here, subscribe, send to a friend, perhaps give us a review. And we look forward to hearing the next episode.